Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of Franchise Euphoria, I'm thrilled to have Larry Oberly, who is the president and CEO of Speed Pro Imaging. Larry brings 26 years of franchise experience from the food service, real estate, and large format printing industries. He served for 17 years as vice president of U.S. and global operations at Remax. Prior to Remax, Larry was a successful multi-unit Baskin-Robbins franchisee, later serving on the Baskin-Robbins National Marketing Committee. Really enjoyed this interview with Larry, and you know, we touched upon how his experience as a franchisee really impacted uh, his efforts as a franchisor, and of course, touched on many other things. Without further ado, hope you enjoy this interview with Larry. Hello, Larry. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you doing? Josh, I'm doing great, and it's great to be joining you today. Well, I always love to have people who are, you know, experienced in the franchise space. And, you know, you bring 26 plus years of of franchise experience, obviously, with your current uh, venture with Speed Pro Imaging, which we'll spend the the bulk of the time talking about. But I always think it's good to give people a background, um, especially with your with your franchise background on on um, your previous and prior experiences in the franchise space. Yes, I do have yeah, 27 years now and counting. And so I started as a Baskin-Robbins franchisee in St. Louis, Missouri, where I bought a store more or less as a sideline um, business. I was in the airline industry at the time. And so I bought that store and opened it in February 92, ended up buying a second store in 93. My whole plan was never to go to retirement and, and be an ice cream baron. It was just kind of opportunistic that I bought the second store. So when I did that, I had to quit my job. And I truly became a full-time franchisee at that particular point in time. But my whole goal was to build it and sell them. And so I ended up doing that. I sold my first store in 1997, the uh, the second store in 1998. And I was part of the Baskin-Robbins National Marketing Committee for four of those years. I got really involved with um, an organization called the American Association of Franchisees and Dealers, and it was on an inaugural group of fair franchising standards committees with um uh, consultants and, and attorneys and franchisors and franchisees. And so I got to really see both sides of the franchising picture. And when I sold my businesses, I really wanted to see what the other side of the, the house looked like. And so luckily I got uh, hired by Remax as a business consultant in St. Louis in 1998. And they moved me to uh, Denver, Colorado, the headquarters in 2000. And I spent uh, 19 really wonderful years there. At one point, I was overseeing uh, seven regional operations as the department head for what we called CORE, the company-owned regions that had about 1,400 offices. And then in um, 2007, I was asked to move over to the global operation, having no experience whatsoever um, in, in the global operation, but uh, myself and my team 
of only eight of us, uh, grew the business to over 100 countries and territories and nearly 4,000 offices before I left at the end of October 2017. Uh, I got lucky. I got recruited by a great firm, a private equity firm called Fairfield Maxwell. And I started at SpeedPro in November of 2017 and get a chance to apply what I learned and and try to put my my stamp, if you will, um, on this great organization that's in the wide format printing business. So it's been a really fun ride. And I can't believe I'm already coming up on two years with SpeedPro. Well, no, that sounds great. So tell us a little bit about uh, SpeedPro. Well, we're a leader in the wide format graphics. And so we're kind of like an on-demand light manufacturer of custom uh, high-impact graphics. And and to boil that down is we kind of help our customers or our clients do more business with their clients. And so we create banners, event graphics, event tents, fleet wraps, floor graphics, wall graphics, window graphics, um, trade show displays, signs, and, and, and different things like that. And so we are almost exclusively B2B. I would say 99% of our business is B2B, working in collaboration with multiple projects with many of our clients, including about 50 of the top Fortune 500 companies. Well, and so are you, I mean, are you guys, you know, competitors of the, the very, you know, Fast Signs and Signorama and the various sign companies? Well, we're technically in the same space, in the printer and sign company space. At the same token, we do specialize only in wide format. Uh, we, we, we do signs for sure, um, but we really do specialize in the non-walk-up. So, for instance, we're in light industrial space or flex space. We are not retail except for just a few of our, our studios that um, chose that particular um, uh, real estate. And so we are really that business to business, belly to belly. We go out to, cus- to get the customer versus waiting for a customer to walk into our, our studios. And so we have a completely different product mix. Um, our average um, sale, for instance, and a client engagement is a higher value, higher dollar amount um, because of the type of projects that we have. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because before this interview, I, I mean, I had not candidate, I had not heard of SpeedPro. And so where where are you guys located? Yeah, we have 135 locations across the U.S. in about 30 states. And then through separate ownership, we have SpeedPro Canada, which they have about uh, 50 locations. So, yes, we're not we're not Main Street at all, but we're well known with uh, the clients that we do business with. We're just, again, not street side. And so we, we have not become that... Uh, that household name. As a matter of fact, I, I just did a class for the entrepreneur class at the uh, University of Colorado at Denver last night. And the first thing I asked is, who's heard of SpeedPro? And, you know, nobody raised their hand is because we're <laughs> not on TV, we're not on radio, different things like that. And so, again, but the customers that do know us come back to us time and time again because we provide the best quality of the large format graphics. So talk to me about the franchising model and who you guys look for as franchisees. Yeah, I mean, we have some characteristics that are really, really important to us. Um, Basically, we're looking for A-type driven individuals, and most of our people have come from corporate America, Um, whether they got a buyout package or whether they just thrown up their hands and said, you know what, enough with the politics, enough with uh, all of the travel. And so we generally get those um, high-end executives or, or really solid middle managers that end up uh, wanting to leave the corporate world and, and, and run a business for themselves. And so our best owners are really that driven type A CEO mentality, problem solvers, 
marketers and salespeople and people who love to build relationships. Uh, th- those are really our key uh, attractiveness uh, factors, if you will, for for somebody coming out of corporate America. I mean, now is this something where you know a somebody coming out of corporate America, a new franchisee, could come in and and as an owner operator, are they going to be doing this themselves to get going, or is it where they're going to be putting in place essentially a sales team? Uh, to go out and build the business. Yeah, there, there's a couple uh, requirements that we have. Of course, they want to have somebody that they can trust on the production side of the business to actually run the printers and do the finishing. But it's also very important that they have that help with the sales and, and marketing side of it as well. At the same token, especially upon startup, it's really important that the face of the company um, is the owner. And so we do want our owners to be out there. That's why, again, having that ability to build relationships and love the network and so forth is is so, so important. And so the sales and marketing team that they would build may really support the owner's effort there. I mean, at the end of the day, franchising is still a small business for, for most people, and they want to be that face of the, the business to their clients. And so our business kind of lends itself to that as well. Well, yeah. Tell me, I mean, you know, I have a lot of, I think I've done over 300 episodes now and talked to a whole lot of um, franchisees and franchisors. And you know, oftentimes we're, we're diving in, obviously, to the particular business as we have here. I'm curious, though, with somebody with your level of experience and background in franchising, what is it about the franchise model that's so attractive to you? Because there's a, there's a lot of people who will be listening. There's a lot of people who think they know something about franchising but they may not know nearly as much as you do or have the experience level. So what is it about the franchise model that's so attractive to you? Well, I think it's a level of comfort. I mean, I recall when I bought my Baskin Robbins, um, for me to be able to step in um, and, and run a business where I really didn't have that experience where I'm using my money, <laughs> a big difference when I'm using corporate money versus my money, and have that uh, that training that I couldn't get otherwise, and getting that that support if I had somebody to to call and talk to, not only from the the corporate office, if you will, but really more importantly from the network of owners that are there to help support each other. Um, that to me, I think, is even a bigger part of franchising is that network that you're joining and the willingness to help each other, share best practices, come together and have meetings. I mean, we had a saying at Remax. There wasn't anything that couldn't be solved with 10 Remax people in the room. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great saying that uh, anytime you bring in and think differently in critical thinking and, and bring all these different shared experiences, it tends to cut through the clutter and, and give you some really great answers. So I really believe in the structure of franchising and how it can help you get that start with organized training. Um, and some of that support, some of the technology that you don't have to go search out. But I really think the undervalued portion of the franchise is the network and the collaboration. Very much like, you know, fact, uh, I was going to say fax machines. That's back in the day um, that, you know, two fax machines can work together, but one standing alone doesn't, doesn't really do much good. But it's kind of like Facebook as well. I mean, the, the power of Facebook is how you can connect with so many people at one time and even segment that. So I, I think it very much aligned with um, those kind of, those kind of concepts. See, now you're showing your age, Larry. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I just always find it fascinating. I mean, it's not every day that I'm interviewing somebody who has uh, both the franchisee and franchisor experience. I mean, I've certainly had a fair share of those folks. And I always think that you guys bring a whole 
new level of of know-how and um, a full breadth of knowledge for the full franchise experience. I mean, what's one of the first things when you, you know, went from, you know, on the franchisee side of things to the franchisor side of things that you, you learned going from one side to the other? Well, first of all, I got to say it was hard to get employed. Um, I, I had a lot of skepticism thinking, why would somebody leave self-employment to, to come back and work in, in corporate America? And so that would in itself was a, was a bit of a challenge. Um, but even even in, in Baskin, which I, I consider more of a managerial model, I mean, that it's really very turnkey. Think of a McDonald's. I mean, it's really there's a lot of processes there that you have to follow. Baskin was really not much different from that. Um, converting from that to what it was a really, I call an entrepreneurial model with Remax, where there were very few boundaries Um Sales, sales agents, uh, broker owners, which are the franchise owners, as long as they were using the brand correctly, I mean, they would be out there promoting themselves and not really worrying too much about the company doing that promotion for them and going out and getting the client and listing the properties and all on their own efforts. And so there was a bit of a, you know, paradigm shift, shift from, you know, letting the marketing work for me and bringing customers in the store. And, and my job was to make it work and make them want to come back from a good experience to, wow, this is really a different type of a concept where, again, an agent's got to go out and and uh, dig up their own business and do their own farming and the like. And so I think that was probably the biggest um, adjustment. But that was that was very, very quick because I really liked I really liked the entrepreneurial model better um, in that kind of environment. Well, I have to imagine too, that, you know, one of the attractive aspects of you being, you know, the CEO president of speed pro is that coming from the franchisee perspective, I, I imagine you probably relate better, at least can relate more to, you know, what franchisees are going through as they're uh, working within a model or within a system. Yeah, I think so. I, I and, and it's really not that hard, um, to pick up on that, even if you didn't, even if you weren't a, a franchisee, I mean, the needs are very vocal. Um, how do I make more money? How do I make more sales um, and, and the like? And all franchises, whether it be Speed Pro or any, any franchise generally has some of that secret sauce. And I think the, the more challenging part of it is when the secret sauce is there and, and teed up, but franchisees don't necessarily always want to use them or think there's a different way. That's where I think things kind of break down a little bit. I think in our model, and even, even quite frankly, at, at the other two companies as well, Remax and Baskin Robbins, my experience is if you follow the game plan, you can be successful uh, and sometimes be really, really successful. But if you start thinking, well, it's different here, um, I'm going to put a different spin on it, and you start doing some other things, uh, then tend to find out that things don't work quite as well. Um, the other thing I, I like is that in Speed Pro, a lot of our owners really pushed the envelope uh, years ago. I mean, we have an owner, uh, husband, wife in, in Orlando, uh, Mike and Denise Rutherford. They brought on the first flatbed printer in 2011. And uh, Blair Grand, the, uh, the owner at the time, says, wait, wait a minute, let's, let's not go with new technology. What we have with a certain kind of printer is true, to, true and tested. And I like the fact that uh, we have risk takers in our network that might push us and push the network to look in different directions. And so I kind of like franchising does still allow that under the right concept to go ahead and pilot and, and test market 
and try new types of products and services. And if it works, we, we spread that around the company. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. Is SpeedPro a, like a brick and mortar franchise? I mean, is, is, there, is there a brick and mortar component to it? It is, it is. But again, we're not retail. And so we are really off the beaten path. Think light industrial, um, where rents are lower, we get bigger, bigger space. Um, but yeah, we're sometimes hard to find. And do you guys, do the franchisees lease the equipment or buy the equipment or have the option of either? Well, when they when they buy a franchise, they'll pay, of course, the initial franchise fee. And then we have what we call a startup package, which will have a set of equipment and tools, including computers and desks, all the way down to paper clips. Um, from that point on, as they're looking to upgrade and, and maybe either expand or replace equipment down the road, they would do a combination of a purchase with their own financing uh, or maybe um, a lease uh, for that equipment. Well, so one of the things I always find interesting with with this type of franchise, and I, you know, in the past when I would talk to people, I'd equate it to I'd always use the, the, the sign company as an example. So I'm going to uh, talk about that from that perspective, which is, you know, one of the things about franchising is from a franchisee perspective is they're always looking and always judging on what's the continued added value that the franchisor is is helping with or or what are they providing to the franchises we all know when you get into a system there's the inherent value of providing those upfront operational standards and 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 the and the equipment packages and economies of scale and so forth but once you get in and you're running the business and then you know how to do that i think most franchisees you know year two, three, and beyond are always looking for, okay, what's the continued added value value to make up for this royalty that I'm paying? And one of the things about you know, sign companies or, or, or some other B2B type companies is that there's a real heavy emphasis on the R&D for technology, you know, I mean, where the franchisor is in a great position uh, to spend funds and really keep the franchise system ahead of the game from a technological perspective. And I always thought that was so important because for a mom and pop company that was doing the same thing, I think it would be a lot harder for them to stay abreast of all the technological advances and can be a significant advantage in the marketplace uh, when you are part of a franchise system in this arena that does keep abreast of that. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays with the, with the Speed Pro franchise? Absolutely. We have Ryan Yates in our team. He's the director of our production support. One of his roles is from that vendor relationship and R&D. He's been um, researching. uh, The last research he did was what we call CNC machines. These are automatic, um, automated cutting machines that really take a lot of the labor out of finishing a product, uh, doing all the intricate cuts and and so forth, and identifying what uh, products or what manufacturers we want to work with for the next five years. From from our point of view, we've already identified a couple uh, verticals, a couple product lines that we really want to enhance. Uh, We're presently doing some of that research. And at the same time, we're intending to make some really sweet offers to our owners to help them get into that particular line of business. Right now, we outsource a lot of that work because we don't have the in-house capabilities. We're going to help our owners with some, um, I can't go too far in that, uh, in that, but we're going to provide some incentives for them to go ahead and invest in those line of businesses that'll set us up for the next five, 10 years 
um, down the road, working collaboratively, collaboratively with them. And at the same token, we're very, very open-minded as uh, our owners are getting introduced to uh, new products and services to even have them test those out or we can further test those products and services as well and then either uh, endorse those or say let's not let's not go in that direction but our goal is to work collaboratively with them we have a franchise advisory council um, that we're very very active with we just engaged a um, innovation company, intentional innovation company that we just finished an engagement with. We have some great new ideas that will drive new product lines and services um, and take us, I think, in a whole new direction to really try to lead in particular segments, whether it be industries or products, um, and not be so much as uh, like other companies, but really set ourselves aside and become a, the real leader, uh, demonstrated leader in these particular markets. Well, no, that sounds great. And I mean, do you guys, are you guys mostly looking for single unit operators or do you guys, are you looking at multi-unit developers, area developers, combination of all of the above? There's really no need to have multi-locations in, in our business um, because you want to centralize all of the production into one site. We, we've had some exploration before my time about multi-unit. I've had conversations once in a while with our owners um, the only thing that really would make sense for us is potentially some sales offices that we might uh, bolt on. But uh, we would want to discourage multiple centers where production would be driven from because it's just overhead that's not needed. You have to double the staff, double the pieces of equipment and so forth. So for us and our owners, it's really about how driving the most efficiency as we possibly can out of one central location. Well, if you want to learn more about SpeedPro Imaging, just go to www.speedpro.com. If you want to learn more about the franchising piece, go to speedprofranchising.com. Thank you, Larry, so much for coming on and sharing about your background and sharing about the uh, business opportunity with Speed Pro Imaging. Hi, Josh. It was my pleasure. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. You will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says ratings and reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.